Hello, my lovelies. This is May K. Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. It's Mayke here, and I'm so excited for our conversation today with our special guest. And the reason why is because, as you may have noticed, the kind of theme of conversations that's been happening on the podcast lately have been very much influenced by the power of intuition. And this one is no different. In in fact, this one is completely dedicated to it, which is why I'm so excited to bring on Jo Chenyan here onto the podcast today, because she specializes in conscious rebranding for intentional businesses, especially for those who want to blaze a trail in the world. So Jo, thank you so much for coming on the Quiet Rebels podcast today. Hey, Mekay, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much. Ah, well, we we pretty much had so much fun in the green room. I almost forgot. Like, oh wait, this is supposed to be an interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and clearly, like, we were geeking out over like holiday hobbies and plants. And I I, I showed Joe my amazing hot chocolate skills because I can yeah. blow torch my marshmallows by hand. But anyhow. <laughs> clearly we have a lot to talk about and I'm so excited to hear about how you like really started to hone in on your message and who you serve because what I've been speaking about with a couple of other guests is about you know our the work that we do our own messaging the clients that we choose to work with and the people we hire they're all a representation of the values that we're choosing to uphold so the fact that you're focusing mm. on conscious rebranding and you work with intentional businesses that are trailblazers i'm really interested to hear how you got into all of this so please tell us all the things <laughs> yeah all the things well i think when i was just starting out at a full time. So this was my full time uh, gig and it was the first job that I had after uni and I worked so, so hard. So when I was in uni, I studied engineering and science and I received the offer for a graduate position with Unilever, which is a really big corporate company so there's lots of brands around it and I always wanted to do marketing or something in branding that was my my dream and then my ultimate dream was to do something in design I also studied graphic design but I wasn't really sure how engineering science and pharmacology and graphic design could kind of work together so at that stage I thought my closest most logical next step would have been to apply for something like uh, a position at Unilever because they're 
they really celebrate their brands. So I started working for them for two years. So it was a two-year graduate position. And I kind of moved through the fast-moving consumer goods industry. (laughs) Um, And when you're working in FMCG, things are pretty like I guess it's it's called fast moving for a reason. It's very fast and it's really all about driving sales. And even though branding was a big part of Unilever, it still felt like there was a real push to get stock moving out the door. And over time, I decided to move towards things that were or companies that were a little bit more smaller in size because I wanted something that was more intimate in terms of being able to connect with people in the team, connect with people in the office, especially if you're working on a big, bigger established company. There's so many levels of hierarchy that you need to climb through to be able to even have conversations with people. And I think it was just me naturally following my intuition and naturally following the things that really lit me up in terms of how I like to work. And that's why I gradually took jobs and positions after that in smaller and smaller companies. So the next one I I did was at Twinings, which is Twinings Tea um, in the UK. And yeah, I, I, we haven't spoken about tea yet. (laughs) We've we've (laughs) done chocolate, but we haven't (laughs) talked about tea, (laughs) but I loved tea. And I always, I think like all my career positions have gradually just followed like what I liked eating (laughs) and drinking (laughs) and so I was like you know what I love tea so tea will be the next thing that I I do um and I was there for a, a number of years and again I still felt like there was some sort of disconnect from me being able to be a quiet rebel in that type of company just because of the I guess, the the structure around it because it is such an established company. And it wasn't until I found this company called Loving Earth, which is this smaller, um, I guess at the time it was a small to medium-sized business. They did ethical vegan chocolate as well as health foods. And at the time, that was my dream company to work for because I wanted to move out of the out of twinings but mainly because I was starting to practice a lot of yoga um, and meditation like in the mornings because I was feeling a little bit stressed before I went into work (laughs) who would have thought working for a tea company was so stressful (laughs) Um, but I needed something that just got me into the mindset before I actually started work in the morning and so that was yoga and and meditation. And I began that journey into wellness, learning more about my intuition, learning more about spirituality. And so Loving Earth was this perfect, I guess, for me, it was this perfect company that I could work for, which really encapsulated a lot of the values around being a smaller company, being very ethically ethically run, very conscious in how it was managed and very intentional about the products. So Mm -hmm. from a values perspective and from a mission values um, point of view, I really resonated. And it was the first time in my life that I really chose 
a place to work because of the values that it represented. Mm. I think everything up till then, it was mainly like what that job was specifically. It was less about the company. Like, sure, it was about the company because I love the products um, and I, I liked tea and chocolate and all of those kind of things. But this was the very first time that I felt like I could be home and I could feel mm. comfortable being myself and really making an impact in a company. And so that was the first, I guess, the first big step that I made in my career where I was doing something that helped me see that companies could be conscious and Mm -hmm. that they could work sustainably at that level, that they could be very driven by their values in a way that it actually channels through the system and goes right down to the consumer. And after working at Loving Earth, it it was really interesting because people who worked at Loving Earth, they all ended up starting their own businesses and it was just a very entrepreneurial company. So the founder actually, yeah, the founder actually was a yogi and he was living in India for eight years before moving back to Australia. And he set up his company, um, even though he had never done anything like that before. And so I think just having someone like that show you that that it's possible made a lot of us working there feel like anything we wanted to create when it came to our own companies was possible as well. So I would say that was like the first step into what I'm doing now. And it just gave me the confidence to kind of take that leap when I was ready for it. Oh, I love that so much. And how you you can see the progression in your work, like it started off with things that you love, but then there was something bigger that was driving these decisions. And you felt so at home, it sounded like um, Mm. in, in this last company that you're with. Um, and the values really spoke to you. It's like, oh my god, these are the ones that I uphold as well. And I love that the um, the founder encouraged, in a way, like all of his yeah. employees to kind of do good in the world and showing them what's possible. And I think that's that's amazing. So I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me too. It was. I, I think without someone actually showing that that is possible. It is really difficult. Um, It was really difficult for me at the time to even see that working for myself was an option or starting my own business was an option. So it was only something that I guess I heard of other people doing, right? But Mm -hmm. I think being so close to people that were doing that on a daily basis made it so much more attainable and tangible as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're like right now you're specializing in conscious rebranding for intentional businesses, but were there any evolutions or did you pretty much know straight from the get-go that that's what you wanted to do and that you're still doing? Yeah, I guess when I started my own business, I knew that there were certain businesses that I naturally had an affinity with and because of all the work that I was doing 
outside of work. It was around spirituality and wellness. I had a wellness blog. Um, it was called The Mindful Morning, which is all about like mindful rituals and routines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think based on those contacts and connections, it was really a very effortless um I guess like it was a an effortless transition to move from that company to working with businesses who were in that similar space, in the wellness space, um, in the conscious brand space. So I think, yeah, I guess looking back at my, like all the different kinds that I've worked with, I've never really worked with businesses that weren't conscious or weren't really strong in their value system they've just naturally been that um Mm. and I think it's just maybe the connection that we have for our clients it's something that comes so effortlessly like people are just naturally drawn to you because of your message and how you show the world what it is that you really care about and I think if people are able to resonate with that then they typically get in touch so it was just something that I think unfolded very authentically and organically after that. Yeah, I think it's just um, been saying this more and more recently, how it's so key to be the walking embodiment of your work. And it naturally shows that you believe in what you're saying and you're proving it with your actions and your words that you're using out there. And it's naturally going to draw in and call in the people who also feel at home with the messages you, yeah. you share. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that it's about not even just authenticity, but it's about integrity, right? Like yeah. how do you channel integrity and hold integrity through every aspect of your business so that it there is true alignment with how you live your life? Otherwise, would be so confusing to go to work to be like a completely different person right like it just doesn't it wouldn't feel like the right fit and you would always be battling these different aspects of yourself um with your own company so I think that's really important just to hold that integrity but also do those reflections periodically just to see like what areas of my life like at the moment like I know that there's definitely areas of my life that I want to work on that will help me channel that integrity even further so it's it's more like coming off holidays and just getting back on like a balanced uh healthy diet like that would be like (laughs) the main changes that I would like to make but I still see that as part of how I show up in my business because me looking after myself is basically this the same as how those values come through in my business but it's it's just like a different manifestation of it if that makes sense so it's still looking after it's that life balance or life work work life balance um and being very holistically minded about the work that we do and how we work. So, yeah, I, I noticed that if I don't look after myself and my well-being, everything else in terms of how I run my business can kind of fall apart. And, it's, mm. um, you know, it, it just re- makes you realize how important holding that is. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And 
Um, I'll ask you in a minute about your values because I'm curious about what they are. And the first thing that I can think of for myself right now is the third value I have on my about page on my website is professional playfulness. So I'm looking at myself in the Zoom window and no one else can see this, but Joe can. (laughs) And it's a fact that right now I am wearing my I look like a fluffy pink marshmallow because I'm wearing something called an Udi and no, this is not sponsored. And an Udi is kind of like a blanket and a hoodie all in one. And it's freezing in my office right now because the radiator is broken and I accidentally left my window slightly open and I didn't realize it. Anyhow, but this in a way is professional playfulness because I'm so hella comfy. I am so warm right now and I'm super happy, which allows me to do this quote unquote professional stuff of recording this podcast interview so that is that's an example of like just like living out one of your values <laughs> and so yeah <laughs> you, Joe, what um what are some examples of the values that you have in your business and you know your life because I would imagine that they intertwine mm. if not they're exactly the same <laughs> yeah 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 they would be exactly the same so my values are consciousness intuition connection and creativity so creativity in and I think the word that I typically use for that is expression versus Mm -hmm. creativity because I feel like that is something that is Mm all-encompassing and differentiation that's the last one Oh, and then I have so many actually. No, practice. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, yeah. like, how do you remember all of these? <laughs> like, uh, like my brain. I have free. them written down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I actually found like when I was working through my core values system, um, I found that for me and a lot of my clients that go through the same process, we actually forget the values that we just discover along the way like unless and we might know them internally like we know when we're out of alignment but we don't see those words repeated back to us on a daily basis so one of the things is I've just put my values on my notion page and it's the first thing that I see when I go onto notion so it's like really big block letters Um, I can't ignore it so I always read it and I think reading it every day means that for for me it's almost like it subconsciously comes through Mm. into my system yeah oh that's that's a really good idea because while um because I'm like again no one can see this but I'm looking at the side of my eye right now and I have various things around my um desk and they are they're all signs actually when I really think about it there is this wish plate that I made at this um, Japanese festival here in London it's called Hyper Japan and there there was a little workshop where you can make your own wish plate and I asked the teacher how do you write happiness and so she taught me and again no one can see it I might post on Instagram someday Um, and it says happiness so I see happiness there and there are some uh, beautiful crystal jewelry that I have because I'm very minimalist when it comes to my jewelry but there was one that's a clear quartz and it says positivity there and there's mm. a box that I bought from 
well, I didn't buy the box. There was a there's a necklace in there, but <laughs> the box it says in big bold letters conscious. So that's there. Mm. I've got success there, um, and there is this uh, there's this phrase above me, and it says have a great story to tell. There's another one that says I am grateful. <laughs> so even the books <laughs> I I keep nearby are also. Um, you know representation of the kind of words yes. I want to embody that day um, but is I think it's great that you have your value system like front and center every time you go into it because that's that's yeah. something that I can definitely start doing for sure so thank you for that tip <laughs> no worries and I think it's one of those things where like it, depending on how you want your office set up like you can kind of put it in so many different, there's so many different ways that you can remind yourself of your values. Like I have little notes that I put that I've stuck. You can't see it from your end, but (laughs) on my computer, I have like little reminder notes stuck around my computer just so every time I see it there's a practice that I do there's a there's a conscious practice so one of them is called practicing the plate which is a um it's a conscious practice where you recenter your focus and I'm supposed to do this once every six minutes but it's really tricky because like, <laughs> I don't remember to do this once every six minutes like I'm <laughs> normally I don't know like watching YouTube or something like I would be so in automatic in autopilot mode that I can't remember to do this but it's a spiritual practice that helps you refocus and recenter and so whenever my eye sees that it's like a conscious call to do that practice um, and then as you were saying like having like Um, crystal jewelry like I have a crystal on my um, like a little pendulum on my desk above my computer and it's just like a it's it's a citrine so every time I see that it reminds me of abundance and it's just like little things it doesn't have to be like the the boring version of like me doing notion and putting it like writing it up there (laughs) but you can find like lots of different ways to do it which like brings out your own sense of play and wonder as well about your office space yeah, I love that because there are so many different ways that you can do it. And I think symbolic representations are pretty wonderful as well because um, I'm glad that you brought up crystals because I am I am by no means a crystal expert, okay? I ha- I know very minimal about crystals, but I lit up when you said citrine because I have a citrine necklace that I wear like pretty much every day. And I was wondering why it wasn't around my neck, wow. but just now that I see it, <laughs> like it's, it's in yeah. front of me. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also... Um, because I know that for a pendulum, um, it doesn't always have to be um, like a pendulum itself. It could be something that's so long as it's weighted. Um, that's what one of my mm. um, healing coaches taught me. And I actually use my clear quartz crystal um, as my pendulum. So I'm curious to hear how you oh. use it because um, I've used it several times. And maybe you can swap stories about um, how you've used it because I think it's important to bring in different ways that we can integrate intuition and intuitive decision making into our lives so how do you use yours yeah yeah so in the past I used to use the pendulum to so I think how did I do it was it clockwise or anti-clockwise I think it depends on the energy so it depends on the energy that you infuse into the crystal but you can hold it and give yourself a yes so it's like 
you ask yourself certain questions that are definitely yes questions. And questions would be like, oh, is my name Joanne? And then you would see like it would either swing clockwise or Mm anti-clockwise. And then you would ask a few questions just to see if there is a trend of like clockwise motions with the pendulum. So this is you holding it um, at sort of forehead level and kind of letting it hang. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're not trying to create this circular motions. You're just seeing, like, generally, like what this, I guess, subconscious expression into your body of a yes answer is going to create within that pendulum. And then you ask yourself if you know questions and you see if it swings the other way. It's really interesting to see it because you can get, definitely mm, see them swinging in different ways. I find it so fascinating. And then if you have a specific question that you want a yes or a no answer to, you would use the, the pendulum in much the same way, but you would just observe the direction that it would swing in. And if it was clockwise, meaning yes, if, if all your answers before that, had clockwise for yes, then you would know what the answer is for the question that you have. Um, So that's typically how I've used pendulums in the past. With the crystals, I've put them under my bed, um, or not under my bed, sorry, under my pillow when I sleep. Um, I've carried them in my purse. Nowadays, I'm actually, like I would have to say, I'm less attached to my crystals than I used to be. And this is really interesting because when I was doing a lot of the inner work, like learning a lot about spirituality and crystals, I and of course, like the whole world of wellness and spirituality for me at the time was so exciting. Like I was learning about like tarot cards and like salt lamps and pendulums and all of these things, like journaling, like there was just such wonderful hobbies in itself to like learn more about um but nowadays as I'm diving deeper into my learning about intuition and how it guides my life feel like there is less reliance on crystals to help me understand where I'm at it's really about being very directly connected to your own body and your own system and energetically if you have the sensitivity for it and it's something that you've worked on for the last sort of 10 12 years is that you're able to kind of intuitively see where your body is at during that day and so that I guess for me is much more of a key driver in decision-making than me relying on my crystals as much nowadays. I still use them as, so I guess nowadays the function really is as a reminder. So if I see the citrine, it reminds me to be abundant or to stay open to abundance. Um, But I don't work with them as intensely as I used to. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think crystals are beautiful. And again, I am not a crystal expert. I have used them a bit more, especially when I went through um, some chakra healing over the summer. And my amazing coach named Suki Kaur, so shout out Suki if you're listening to this, um, she gifted me with a beautiful set of crystals. And there's one crystal per Mm. chakra. And it's, well, she gave me, two for two of them because they were ones that I definitely needed some extra help with 
um, but yeah, the one that I always wear is citrine, and I have a crystal lamp, and it is a clear quartz, and I put it on whenever mm. I want an, an extra kind of like layer of positivity in the room, and it's just really yeah. wonderful. But I love what you said as well about. Um, just like having that cue in your own body because I rely on crystals mainly when I want some further um, you know yeah um, what, what's the word I'm looking for is it affirmation so further mm. so some, just just to help me solidify my decision basically mm, yeah because in um, when I've used my pendulum, I use my uh, clear quartz because, to be honest, it's a pretty chunky crystal. So I don't think I'd actually wear it because I think it'd be too weighty around my neck, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, in um, especially, oh, oh, I know when I used it uh, last. It was when I was deciding to retire a couple of services on my service suite. And the service was... Um, pitching podcasts for my client so now I only do Mm. VIP days um, where I train my client and sometimes their team on how to create the system themselves and when I was I was like debating this so much because on one hand that service was very high in demand and it was bringing in the money right and my VIP days was like it was only starting to get momentum at the time but I just felt really cool to do something bigger and that's why I only do VIP days for one-on-one work and I have my sustainable visibility incubator for um, a longer-term mentorship and what happened was that I I always give some space for my logical mind for you know I I don't suppress it because I think um, Mm. when we're relying on our intuition so much sometimes it's so easy to want to shut out any other opinion that your mind has but even those they have some wisdom carry um you know they're carrying some wisdom as well. They're carrying the fears that are, they may be irrational sometimes, but sometimes it has some truth to it. So I just let myself feel all the things. I write it all out if I need to. And I see the pros and cons to just kind of like, so the left side of my brain is like, oh, okay, thanks. You, you've listened to me. It's all right now. You can listen to your right side now. <laughs> and that's when my intuition <laughs> comes into place. And for me, I literally feel these decisions in my body. Um, what my my hypnosis coach what he taught me was to open your palms in front of you so Mm. um so you can balance one decision in your left hand and one decision in your right hand so for example Mm. if like should like I'm going to give up these services so that's going to be in my left hand for example and my right hand like no I'm going to continue having services and I want to see how they actually feel in my palms like which one is actually going to be heavier and you know feel really condensed and which is which one's going to feel lighter and expansive and sometimes yeah. it's not in my palms and it's in my whole being because my chest mm. actually gives me a great indication of how I'm feeling about something because if I feel like I'm closing in on myself then I know that that decision or this person or whatever it is that I'm handling at that moment it's really affecting me in a bad way then I know okay it's not the right decision but and then it's vice versa if I feel really light if I feel really happy and I light up about it then clearly it's something I want to try and um so that's what I did with my body and then to further 
affirm that it was the right decision to let those services go, I used my pendulum. And it was really fascinating to see because I always make sure that I'm not skewing my results. So I look at my hand that's holding this pendulum. Okay, it's still a rock. <laughs> and um, yes. it, it is amazing to see the clear yeses and the clear noes. It's like, how are you swinging my hand not moving? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's yeah. incredible. It's truly incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love that we can have different ways that we can tap into our intuition. And I want to ask you this very important question. And what is the difference between instinct, intuition, and this one's a new one, and bias? Oh, bias. Nice. I like that. (laughs) So how I see intuition is there's different levels of intuition. Uh, So you have what we call, what I call higher intuition, which sometimes, which feels almost like a psychic message that you might receive, or it might just come out of the blue. It's an instant sort of jolt reaction to take action on something. And it does feel expansive. It feels like it's something that's completely in alignment with what you should do at the time. There's almost no question about it, right? Mm -hmm. There's this real conviction within yourself. It also comes through when we're in the flow state. So sometimes we're in creative flow or we're working on a project that feels really exciting and it's just so rejuvenating for our system. There's something around, and this is my own experiences with intuition, but feels like there is a, a like a, a portal that we need to step into to deliver the work. And that portal might close. There's a urgency around it. It's almost like we have to channel all of this intuition, all of this creativity, all of this creativity right now, because there is something about that moment that's really unique and special. And often those moments lead us to making big changes in either the work that we create or we step into a completely different version of ourselves. We also impact the collective conscious on a wider scale. I find those moments tend to be what I call high intuition. So it's this like jolt kind of uh, lightning bolt of energy that comes through. And you're not really sure why it feels so right, but it does. And then there's the everyday intuition. So these smaller nudges that you receive on a daily basis, it's almost this connection. So I see intuition as a connection with your higher self or your consciousness. It's this most self-actualized version of yourself. And if it is always moving you towards this self-actualized version of yourself, it will feel like there is a nudge or something subtle that says to you you're on the right path or this feels aligned yes you should do exercise rather than like ordering (laughs) pizza it could be as it could be as every day as those little decisions that you're making there's always going to be a decision that you're making that's going to lead you further along 
towards your higher self. And then there's one that's going to take you a little bit further away from it. So as long as you're making these decisions, that's always going to help you get to a more self-actualized version of yourself. Then I feel like that's always the intuitive step to take. The interesting thing about that is that it's not always going to feel comfortable because when we expand our comfort zone, we're often asked to grow in a way that may not necessarily feel joyful and happy all the time. I think that's something that people think intuition will always feel exciting, joyful, pleasurable, but it's it's not. It's sometimes really uncomfortable to grow into that new version of ourselves. But if we're very clear about the person that we want to become, if we're very clear about the identity that we want to hold, as that next level version of ourselves, then I think all the decisions that you're going to make can come from your intuition that's going to guide you there. And then the other thing is instinct. So instinct is going to feel like we, it's going to make us want to keep ourselves safe and in the comfort zone. So if you think about instinctual survival, basic instinct. It's really about survival and it's really keeping us safe. Sometimes that's really required because if our basic needs are met, then we cannot listen to our intuition. Like if we're in a state of fight or flight or we're trying to get out of danger or we haven't nurtured ourselves properly with food and the right amount of sleep, it's really difficult for us to listen to something that's going to expand us and push us further outside of their comfort zone. It's just not going to feel right. So for me, sometimes it is a matter of listening to our instinct first. And then once our basic needs are met, then we can listen to the intuition that's really going to help us grow. And then bias, my version or my perspective of bias is the fact that there is almost this cognitive aspect to it. So it's really our subconscious coming through with those old patterns and beliefs that we've had. And it's this, maybe it's these stories that we've told ourselves for a long time. So when bias comes through, it's really understanding that maybe those belief systems that we would like to outgrow or should be outgrowing are no longer serving us in the best way possible. And so when we're aware of bias, we are aware of maybe the belief systems that we have about our sense of self and our identity that's really keeping us stuck. So it could be, I mean, we we see this talked about a lot already. It's, It's about this sense of self where we're not good enough or that we can't bring in the amount of abundance that we really want. So all of these are beliefs that are not true. They've come from our previous experiences, our previous trauma, maybe like what we've been told as a child. So they're really a filter to how we see the world. And so it's really important for us to be able to understand that when we're receiving thoughts or feelings or emotions, that these can be, in in that sense, it's really really important to be able to discern between whether it's intuition, whether it's instinct, whether it's 
beliefs or bias or whether it's mind chatter, which sometimes I think feels like for me it's a, it, there's a lot of bias in there or belief um, or whether it's cognitive thinking, which is what you were saying before around like the need for there to be for you to also listen to your logic. So the cognitive side is really about the logical reasoning, the strategy, the plan. So if your intuition is telling you to get from A to B, it's like this is going to be really expansive for you. Launching this will be amazing because it's really going to help you grow. Then your cognition should really be like, okay, now I'm going to step in and I'm going to help you plan that strategy on how you're going to get from A to B. You need your cognition to logically help you move through the actions. Um, it's really hard to just rely on our intuition alone to get us there because it does take steps of planning because you, you've got to make all these other cognitive decisions along the way. So I would say that sometimes we want to be always making decisions from one particular place, but it's not so black and white. I think there's always a mixed bag of like all the different things that we need to consider to make a decision that's really right for us. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I love uh, because um I know I threw bias in there because you you asked me about, you know, is the intuition and I was like, I want to see how she does that. I I I knew that you had a lot of wisdom gems to give. So you did a great job for that. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, I didn't think of it that way. And you're right, there are a lot of stories and a lot of um there's a lot of conditioning that we have, especially as we are growing up and every person we've ever learned from we are influenced by them and when we're younger we don't really have as much of a choice um to or we feel like we don't have much of a choice really um you know which kind of ideals to take on but as we grow older and especially for those of us who are business owners we get to choose which ones that we move forward with and which ones we actually leave behind and I also love that you share the different layers of intuition and I can hear the ba the background birds chirping <laughs> Where you, where you are right now and um, I lost my train of thought but yeah and no, I love that you share that it's not an airy fairy feeling all the time a lot of the time it is but it's absolutely not all the time it feels downright scary and I wonder why our instinct kicks in a lot of the time but like no you shouldn't be doing that <laughs> and yeah um something that I've shared with my uh, my my mentees instead of my program is that when our instinct comes in that's not how I phrased it but um especially when our fears come I I tell yeah. them give it a shot and try to cutify it um I cutify my fears and it's because it provides the same content so it's telling me the same thing but it's a completely different context that is telling me now so because I don't know about you, but whenever we've been told, that, oh, you hear the voices, you this little voice that's telling you X, Y, Z, and it feels like this, it's almost like the smog, it's like the smoke that's around you in your brain that feels that mm. way. So when I condense that smog-like feeling into this cute little being, I call it Rocky. <laughs> oh that's and, really cute <laughs> yeah and, and it is cute at first um when rocky is fueled by a lot of fear um 
and he's the one voicing these fears to me he actually has a lot of power so he actually can levitate when he mm. has that power and he has like purple flames around him so if you think of the pokemon ghastly um it's like one of the ghost pokemon and it is literally like ghastly but without the yes. scary eyes yeah. <laughs> and basically whenever uh, whenever i'm trying to ignore it like rocky would, would follow me and you know try to get in my face and then when i actually look at it and i I literally lean into him and I'm like, okay, what are you trying to tell me? And he will take me on this visual journey of the concerns he has for me. And I realize it comes from a place of protection and love because mm-hmm. our bodies and our minds are going to be yeah. there for us. And basically what happens for me is that as soon as I lean into him and I give him a chance and some space to be heard, he he starts losing his levitation powers. And by the end of this journey that we take, we're literally hand in hand. He's not levitating anymore. He's literally this very cute, perfectly round uh, rock. <laughs> and um, he's got, he had no eyes. He just had like a little smiley face. And he had these little cute arms and legs that sprout from him. He's like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't levitate right now. I don't have any powers. But he's just like walking along with me. And it's a really cute way <laughs> that I just really... Um, made friends with my my fears because they all come from a really good place actually mm, yeah yeah well that yeah they're coming from a place of wanting to protect you from harm ultimately yeah so you do need to hold space for that because sometimes it does protect you from harm it does give you that you know the, the kick that you need to be like no this is the wrong decision this is putting me in danger. So, um, yeah, but I, I agree. It's, it's really def- dependent on the context and it's like, well, what do you need to apply to the decision-making process within the, this particular context? Do you listen to your instinct? Do you listen to your intuition or do you listen to your cognition or is it a blender of a few of those? Um, and I think like practice for me has definitely helped a lot because when I was first doing this work, I found it really difficult because I was like, no, I'm listening to my cognition now. No, I'm listening to my intuition. (laughs) What? (laughs) um, But then over time, I'm like, there's this beautiful balance between your heart and your head, right? So there's this beautiful balance where you're able to hold both. It's not one or the other. There's space for both in there. And listening to your head doesn't mean you're not intuitive listening to your heart doesn't mean you you are just ignoring your what you want really what is right for you and what feels in alignment but you can do that in a way that is supportive for for you if you take into consideration both things yeah there's a time and place to use both and who said it had to be Mm. one or the other is absolutely a spectrum and it just depends on the circumstance that you're in. But I love this conversation, Joe. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. And just to, as we start wrapping up here, for those who are not used to using the intuition or even for those who are used to it, but they want to improve their connection, how can they get started? Yeah, so I think having stillness is really important. So that's probably the first thing. So similar to what I said before, if we're in fight or flight, if we're stressed, there's a lot of mind chatter. Mm -hmm. If our days feel full and busy, 
it's really hard for us to listen to our intuition because generally, unless we are getting lightning bolt intuition strikes all the time, (laughs) it's going to be that really subtle nudge, which is Mm. very quiet, right? And sometimes it's easy for it to be drowned out by our mind chatter or our fears or our instinct. And for me, it's often uh, drowned out by my cognition because that's a big side of my brain that's pretty active all the time. So finding a moment for stillness allows you to almost get that mind mind clutter out of your head before, before you start opening space up for your intuition to come through. So things like journaling or meditation in the morning, that's why it's really important to start our mornings off or even close our evenings off with some form of stillness exercise. And it doesn't have to be a long time. You don't have to like be in savasana or, you know, like lotus pose for half an hour. You just need like a few minutes to connect back. So the practice that I sometimes do if I'm on the go And this is really for me to center my attention. And we spoke a little bit about this before is practicing the plat, which is really about me taking myself back into the room. Because sometimes when you're working, you can get really lost in what you're doing. You're like in your emails, watching YouTube, whatever it is. And centering is such a good practice because it allows you to find your presence again which is really about cultivating that stillness within your sense of self. So the questions I ask myself is, who am I, where am I, and what am I doing? And this is something that my spirituality uh, mentor has helped me a lot around. And just asking those three questions immediately brings you back into where you are in the present moment. It takes you out of whatever you're doing, and it allows you to see yourself almost from the third person. So you're not in the muck of everything or the emotions going on or the mind chatter. You're kind of like viewing yourself from the third person as if you were playing, I don't know if your listeners play video games, but I'm like really a bit of a geek when it comes to video games. So you're seeing yourself as a character in the third person. And if you are able to see yourself in that space, then you're able to find a bit of, more of a sense of self and grounding in that moment. And that allows you to open yourself up to your intuition. So that would be the first thing, stillness and finding your grounding whenever you can. So those would be my tips. Just practice that grounding or or centering exercise when you can and find a moment of stillness that you can practice throughout the day. Well, not throughout the day. Once a day or twice a day. Once a day, but it doesn't have to be for, yeah, once a day or twice a day is fine. Um, So it could be meditation or yoga, anything that invokes stillness within your heart. Love those tips. Thank you so much. And I think we have a lot more gamers and, uh, you know, geeks in our audience than you may think. So I was like, oh, oh, don't worry, you're you're covered. It's all good. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. which character should I should I choose? Um, but yeah, so Joe, this has been a fantastic conversation. So again, thank you so much for imparting your wisdom and sharing some examples. I think those examples have been extremely helpful as well. And for those who would love to stay in touch with you and maybe get in touch about, you know, if they also consider themselves as a conscious brand who 
really wants to work on this and they really want to um what's it blaze some trails this year <laughs> where yeah. can they go to find you so i'm probably most active on instagram so that's probably the best platform for people to connect with me um, or to just contact me one-on-one. So I'm at Jo Chanyan on Instagram and I also have a website, jochanyan.com. And if they're interested in learning more about their intuition, then I have the Intuition Journal, which is a journal with daily prompts or oh, it's sorry it's weekly prompts and then there's a daily activity that people can do to really help them explore and deepen their connection with their intuition as well oh, beautiful yes yeah, so i'll be sure to pop all of those links in the show notes so my lovely if you're listening be sure to head to the link in the show notes where you'll find all these places to connect with joe and so joe before i let you go i've got two more questions are you ready yeah All right, wonderful. So the first one is, what makes you a quiet rebel? So I'm a quiet rebel because I feel like as a introvert slash ambivert, it has always been a huge part of my, I guess, my system or my character to want to shake things up. I think my creativity comes through as rebellion because differentiation being one of my values Mm. has allowed me to really seek out how I can blaze the trail and also create a path that isn't already walked on many, many times before. So I think that is how I am able to be a quiet rebel. But I also feel like it's one of those things where it's taught me that you can be quiet and you can be introverted. You can be an an ambivert and still make huge impact in the world. You can still have a platform and a voice. And I think that's something that really propels me through in my business. So, yeah. That would be my answer to that. I love that. And I never thought about differentiation being an, a different way to express rebellion because um, rebellion sounds a bit like, it's like, ooh, like bad girl, bad boy kind of vibes. But differentiation just has a complete different feel to it. But at the end of the day, it's actually two parts of the same whole. So I love that. So thank you for sharing. And finally, one of my favorite questions I love asking every guest who comes on the show is this. So my quiet rebels, if you are a frequent listener of the show, you already know what's about to happen. But just in case this is your first episode and you picked a really good one for your first, if that is the case, when you hear the sound, it means it's time for a fact of the day. So Joe, because you are our guest, what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows online? <laughs> I was thinking about what I was <laughs> going to share about this. <laughs> um, when I was little, because so I'm an only child and I think this probably came from the fact that I didn't have brothers and sisters because I'm so strange. (laughs) Um, I would watch TV in the morning and I remember getting up really early in the morning. It would be like sort of like six o'clock in the morning and I would be in my pyjamas and walk into the, the living room, put the TV on. And I 
would kind of sit there wanting, like watching the children's programs. And I remember always like wanting to chew on something. I don't know. I had like some <laughs> weird oral fixation as a kid. And the only things that I had around that I could chew on were my Barbie dolls. So I would always <laughs> just like, it would like be the weirdest habit, but I would just sit there and people might chew tobacco or they might eat like pistachio or nuts or whatever. When you're and a little, I'd be like a little so. kid. Oh no, no, no. When, that's a very, that's a, that's a, that's a different person. <laughs> um, but as a little kid, I was like, you know what? Like there's nothing else here to chew. Like there's Play-Doh or paper. So I'm just going to grab my Barbie dolls. And I would like just, just like start, yeah, like gnawing on my Barbie dolls. And it would be so weird because my parents would see me from like outside the living room. And they would find like all these dolls with mangled feet. <laughs> They'd be like, how on earth did they get here? Like, what was she doing? Like, we have like some creature in the house that's just like eating her toys. Um, but thankfully I grew out of that habit. I don't know how this relates back to what I said before, but um, it's something I've never shared online. So. <laughs> oh, well, well, thank you very much for, for sharing that. and. Um... Um, when you actually describing yourself, <laughs> I, I'm not an only child. I, I do have an older sister, but I'll tell you, I also had, um, I found a lot of comfort in. Um, so I, I didn't, I did have Barbie dolls, but I actually carried around a rag doll when I was young, and um, she was so tattered and worn out. We had to fix her so many times because I, I didn't want another doll because you know when you get fixated to a certain toy, um, you don't want a new version of it or a different version. Um, but there was something that I used to twiddle her dress between my fingers and it used to give me so much comfort. And whenever I felt really yeah. anxious, I would actually bite her dress <laughs> and suck on it. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? It might be just like a natural thing that a lot of children have, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, you we're, 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 <laughs> we're a company. <laughs> I'm glad you have a similar story. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. You're a good company. Um, so if it's no one else that's like that, at least we have each other, Joe. <laughs> uh, oh, thank <I'm> you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here and for being my friend and for sharing your wisdom with us. So yeah, I so appreciate you. Yay. Thank you so much, Mickey. Thank you. And so, my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.